0: Good afternoon,
1: Robert. How are you, Joseph? I'm well. Yeah, me too. How are you? I was was couldn't get there. No, I am. I'm doing really well. You look well.
0: Thanks. Thanks.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. Hey,
0: thank you. You're welcome. What do you got for us?
1: (laughs) We're going to dive right into our theme song. Yes. Okay, this is a show that I didn't watch, but the theme song, classic.
0: Hmm.
1: loved it Uh, played it on the piano my brother would would play it on the piano quite a bit and then I would
0: so we're not we're not doubling up we haven't heard this before
1: uh uh there's no way we did
0: okay well that was a classic and we haven't
1: played it intrigues me I'm not sure you're gonna recognize it Mm -hmm. I don't think I'd be surprised if you watched
0: it well last week I got you on was it Starsky and Hush
1: yeah that was really good (laughs) no uh, yeah I'll be impressed if you get this. Okay. Uh, you ready? Me, you want know, to give me a decade? Uh, is, that, is that fair? Or I they don't even know. Yeah. 70s? Late 70s? Okay. A classic show. No, not a classic show. Classic theme song. Classic, classic theme song. Okay. Ready? Yeah. We <laughs> played this. We have not played this. No,
0: because yeah, I love this song.
1: We haven't played it.
0: As the cop car
1: comes out of the yeah. garage.
0: <laughs> I've <don't laughs> seen the
1: episode. I
0: never watched it either. So, um, Wait, Allison has no now, idea. I'm actually trying to remember the name. Oh my gosh, because it's a cop show. Yep. Uh. Da, 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 da. I love the beginning of that. Yeah.
1: It's it goes downhill from here. What is it? What is it? With that
0: bum. Rarrowrow. Um Saint? Is it Saint something? No. I'm thinking of Saint Elsewhere, which was a hospital show. Uh-huh. Oh, uh,
1: it's not in the heat of the night. No. No. Um, but it's a cop but show. You're right, and, and you're absolutely right on on the cop coming out of the garage and making. I the love the very beginning. I would left. <laughs> <Sometimes>. That's exactly <laughs> what's happening.
0: I'd watch the theme song in the opening scene and then
1: and move just on.
0: Turn, on, turn on, <laughs> I love this theme song.
1: Great theme song. Oh my gosh! If I give you the first word, you'll get the second two. It's three words. Uh, yeah. Want it?
0: Um, I'm not going
1: to get it. Hill, yeah, Hill Street Blues. Hill Street Blues. We have
0: if if we go back to the very beginning of this. Allison's like of this podcast. Like, you'll find it because it's a classic theme song. Really good. I don't think we. I don't think we would. Anybody in that show that we would know about?
1: Like Again, became I kind of never a, watched the show. I have
0: no idea.
1: None, like zero. Who was it in. was? Late
0: seventies, early eighties. It was right around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: so we are. Let's. That's that was a smooth transition, wasn't it?
0: <laughs> There's was no transition right there. So we have been exploring the shifting sands of the church for a while, and we're kind of in the second part of this series. <laughs> um, the first part was about uh, the rise of. Evangelicalism in uh, 20th century, the mainline churches' response to that, and now we're at a place of talking about how the mainline church, in the midst of that, is kind of finding its voice again. We wanted to look at some of the ways that we think our church, as in mainline church—Presbyterian, Methodist, Lutheran,
1: mainline Protestant, UCC, church.
0: mainline Protestant church—has something. Um, to offer the world yeah. at this particular time that we think is very valuable. So last week we explored our the way that we attempt and strive to um, read scripture. We took a took a stab at that, and
1: a fairly deep dive actually. We did,
0: yeah, yeah. It was a lengthy podcast. And this and today we're going to talk about the role of social justice mm. within. The mainline church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, where do we want to start? We could start with Jesus. We could start with the
1: prophets. Um, you yeah. know, well, we could start with why we are so invested in social justice. Or yeah. we could start with the differentiation between Protestant and evangelicalism again. Yeah.
0: Let me start with... Um, some of Jesus' first words mm-hmm. as he begins his ministry. Okay? So this comes from the Gospel of Luke. He's uh, been baptized, been out in the wilderness, begins his ministry in Galilee. And he's back in Nazareth in his hometown and goes to the synagogue and <clears throat> gets up and rolls the scroll of Isaiah. And here's what he says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolls up the scroll, puts it back. Everyone fixes on him and he says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And so we get almost uh, a picture of Jesus' mission statement. Mm. This is kind of what he has come to do. This is what his ministry is going to be about. And so in, in this reading from Isaiah, we hear these threads of people that have been pushed to the side pushed um, to the edges of society have been marginalized and pushed down um, and Jesus is here to bring um, here to bring healing to those mm-hmm. specific groups so that's kind of like where it comes from it's kind of the basis of Jesus' ministry amen well said yeah
1: so <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you said it well
0: so that's, I think, the foundation that we get from it.
1: Yeah, um, and it's why we invest so heavily in it. Yeah, we uh, our tradition um, invests much of our, uh, I would say, scriptural focus in the Gospels, right. Yep. Uh, It's been been said before that Mainline spends too much time in the Gospels and Evangelicals spend too much time in the Epistles or Paul's words. Mm -hmm. And I do think that there's some truth to that. Uh, We focus big time on the Gospels because we believe in Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God, uh, was revealed, uh, the intentions of God. So Jesus' mission statement is, in fact, in our perspective, god's intention for the world mm-hmm. uh, and so when we when we look at jesus ministry especially in light of the history of israel and the prophets of israel and all that they proclaimed regarding uh, speaking truth to power and uh, confronting corruption and pulling and pushing and prodding Israel into becoming a more and more just society throughout the ages, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Jesus comes along and is largely doing the same thing uh, Except in the midst of a Hebrew society that, that is now under Roman rule, right? So Jesus confronts both the religious authorities as well as the Roman authorities uh, And every time he does it he's confronting uh what is essentially an abuse of power, whether that is uh, authoritative power or the power of money or the power of might and violence, uh, he's confronting it, and at the same as he confronts it, he's also trying to model the way of the kingdom. So he's taking the, the power of the world. And, and then going like this and saying, this is power in God's kingdom. The last or first, mm-hmm. um, the least or the greatest. The widow who gave her last two pennies yeah. gave more than everybody else. Um, the uh, woman anointing his, his feet with the perfume and her wiping with her hair, you know, uh, the, confronting the role of women in that society, confronting the way in which um, the haves treat the have-nots, the way health <laughs> even and circumstances were viewed as um, a byproduct of sin and the societal way of rationalizing people's suffering away. Um, he confronted all of that, Uh, With almost every single step he took, whether it was, you know, healing the man with the withered hand uh, or healing the hemorrhaging woman who touched him. Um, And these were huge, like, these are huge, huge issues of justice. This isn't just healing, these are justice issues because you don't heal, you don't touch a leper, right? Because that makes you unclean. And you don't let a hemorrhaging woman touch you because that means you're unclean. I mean, Leviticus is very clear. If you touch a menstruating woman, then you are, it depends on how exactly you touch them, but you're you're at least unclean for the rest of the day, and sometimes you're unclean for a whole week thereafter. You know, like there's all these issues of power and societal uh, societal rights that Jesus is confronting in so many ways.
0: And I didn't really start to equate these stories, these gospel stories, with justice um, for most of my life. To be honest with you, they were great stories, great healing stories, but I never kind of turned them to see them as um, as Jesus righting a wrong. That something more deeper to it mm-hmm. than just just the healing story, yeah. right? Um, I think back to growing up in the mainline church, and so I was young, so I fully didn't see the scope of what my church was involved with, and I love my home church. It's it's near and dear to me. Um, <clears throat> but I see so much more of a focus on justice now within the mainline church than I do when I was younger. And this could just be the church that I grew up in, but um, but there to me there is there is a more intentional
1: focus now. Do you do you see that at all? I do, and, and I do think a part of it is the byproduct of of uh, the mainline's efforts to distinguish itself from evangelicalism, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Whereas evangelicalism dove kind of into the byproducts of fundamentalism, and we've uh, already yeah. talked about this, but the. Yeah. But the resulting fruit of, like, purity culture and exclusivity and things like that, the, the mainline ran away from that. And part of it was they may, ran away from scripture reading and, and all sorts of great things they ran away from. Um, but one of the things they ran to was social justice. Yeah. Because while they may have been running away from a lot of the spiritual disciplines that they didn't want to have associated with evangelicalism, um, they also, I mean, this this social justice uh, lens isn't new within, you know, Christianity or Protestantism. But it, right. when we when, when the church ran away, it kept that lens, and so it gave it gave the church, in in my strong opinion, something something to do and focus on uh, in in a new kind of way. And as a result, a lot of mainline churches uh, were able to develop strong and robust mission and outreach programs that are, that are beautiful, including Towson Presbyterian Church. This church, I mean, one of the things five years ago, six years ago when I came here, one of the things that was really, really appealing about Towson Presbyterian Church
0: is how seriously this church takes mission and
1: outreach. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, we both talked about that. My first Sunday here... Um, I was just uh, in the interview process and came down for a weekend of interviews and so worship, but I was just sitting in the pews. Mm -hmm. And came down to Thompson Hall, our fellowship hall, and quickly noticed that I was grabbing coffee and rubbing shoulders with people that were worshiping in the sanctuary and some that had just come for our meal.
1: uh, First Sunday lunch program,
0: that were most likely homeless. Mm -hmm. And I had never experienced that before. We often talked about serving those that were especially pushed to the sides Mm -hmm. of society. But it was something different to do something very concrete. And I went, wow, this church is different. Um, uh, So I want to pull it back. You you were talking about um, it was a part of uh, the scriptures that Jesus read our Old Testament. And you can, so you can find it in the Pentateuch. You can find that call.
1: Oh, social justice is all over the place.
0: To, um, to care for, uh, the widow and the orphan and the alien that you find in, in Pentateuch, the first five books.
1: Yeah. Hospitality to those in need. They may not use the word justice all that much yeah. in the Torah, but hospitality to those in need is all over the Torah.
0: But, Here's where they do use the word justice a lot, and that's in the prophets later on in the Old Testament. Mr. Micah, <clears throat> Mr. Micah, yeah, and that was that was an eye opener for me, where you find, especially in some of the minor prophets, uh, kind of the, it's called also the book of the the twelve. Um, they are um, uh, often challenging Israel and Judah on not. What is to come in centuries, um, in the future? But what's happening right now?
1: What is God calling you to do now?
0: And offer, and often challenging them on their level of care for those that have mm-hmm. been pushed to the edges of society. And so, um, authors such as um, uh, Amos is challenging them on. Um, what is the sacrifice that you offer to God? And you are fantastic at what Amos would say is corporate worship. You know, you're great at coming to temple and offering sacrifices. Yet the true sacrifice that I ask for mm-hmm. um, is to give of yourself to your neighbor, that mm-hmm. person that has been pushed aside mm-hmm. by society. And I think Amos is not necessarily just kind of putting one over the other I think there there's a need for both but so often this prophet was challenging hey you're only pursuing one of these that's right and thinking that is what brings joy to God and you're totally forgetting about something else amen and so that comes on the heels of Jesus's ministry is this is the is the, the cry of the prophets like that's often how they, the prophets were interpreting these big, huge superpowers that were going to come in and lay waste to
1: mm-hmm. Israel and Judah is, you
0: are not caring for those that God is calling you to care for. That's right.
1: <clears throat> and the prophets do it in a very specific kind of historical time and place within Israel's life. And then Jesus comes along, right? And in a way that only Jesus can do, he does it for within his time and place as well. But one of the things I personally love finding in the Gospels—the way in which uh, systems theory is something you know that's near, near and dear to my heart—is the way in which Jesus pursued justice at systemic levels. Yeah, um, and there will be people who disagree with this interpretation, to be sure. But you know what we see Jesus doing is the prophetic work of confronting systems and institutions cultural systems religious systems he's confronting the powers that not just the powers that be right when he's confronting the scribes or the pharisees or the herodians right he's he's confronting the religious system and he's calling for change
0: and and that's a really good point it's it's what's underneath some of these stories we're reading like it's not it's not written out clear that he is challenging it but by taking on a whole group right. and the whole way that they operate and see the world, Right. he's challenging this interconnectedness
1: of uh, inter- uh, cultural systems mm-hmm. and religious systems. Yeah. And then, so when the Protestant ch- church, particularly in the 21st century, begins to kind of evolve in our own call into social justice, we're hearing a lot more in the 21st century than we ever did before about systemic work and and the church's approach uh that's kind of taking a step away a little bit not not altogether but maybe a little bit from individual acts of mission to okay let's combat the larger issue let's combat the larger problem that is contributing to all these Symptoms of the larger problem, which is why in our church, we've is why we so at Tip and Presbyterian so value curiosity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of effects of gun violence, but we spent and are still spending time trying to dig at okay, what is really going on? What is going on in this epidemic of gun violence? Let's study it at a system level. Uh, racism. Right. Dismantling systemic racism. Um, this is an evolution. And I think we uh, I think that's kind of unique within the mainline church, uh, because to be clear, it is not that the evangelical church doesn't pursue social justice. Well, some may not, but a lot do. A lot of evangelical churches have beautiful, wonderful mission programs. And this, so this is not to say Absolutely. that we're the only ones that do this by any stretch of the imagination. However, what is unique, I think, within mainline church is that the reason we do it is in part because we believe that the kingdom of God is not something that is just on the other side of the grave, that as you read so beautifully, uh, Jesus came to reveal the kingdom here and now, and the church is called to continue that ministry of not only, um, you know, being hospitable to those in need, but confronting unjust systems.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well said. Yeah, um, and we'll be sharing this soon. We uh are about to take the first steps in sponsoring a refugee family from Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And that will speak directly to this um uh invitation to social justice that we have. Um yeah, I, I see this Christian call to discipleship. Um, uh, there's this, there's the vertical dimension, this kind of intimate connection with God, and but there's also horizontal connection, which is reaching out to love neighbors. Um, and I think in my own journey, uh, for the first good chunk of it, I concentrated on that vertical.
1: And is faith it's, about getting into heaven when I die, or is it about spreading well, the kingdom of God in the here and now? Not as much about getting into
0: heaven, but just that kind of personal,
1: my personal relationship, intimate, with my God.
0: personal relationship with God. And it's been the last uh, 15 years or so where that horizontal dimension, um, the kingdom of God, as you said, here and now, today, what does that look like? Um And that's been this. So you you need them both. You need that upward connection, and you need that horizontal connection. Your X and your Y. That's it. (laughs) That's it. I want to read to you. Did you read in seminary? I love it when you read to me. Uh, I know. Go for it. I like to read to you. you, Did you read in seminary David Bosch? Did you have intro? That name is really familiar. Did you have um, missional theology?
1: No, I okay, so then I think I did read David Bosch because I uncovered missional theology like my fourth year after graduating. It was and, and read it like it just fell in love with it.
0: It was really big when I was in seminary and I in my first year, my first year I took this class. So the cliff notes, the very short two sentences missional theology is an understanding that church exists to move out of its building, move out of its four walls, and go into the world to love and serve. And we were kind of coming off, we've talked about this, the 20th century, there was kind of this unspoken um, understanding that the goal of church in some ways to get people into church come to us get inside our doors
1: what do you have to offer us
0: exactly and missional theology shifts it and says no yeah you gather for worship to be for spiritual formation to be filled and enlivened with the spirit of god and then you go out into the world whether that's kind of some corporate kind of mission or just individual loving and serving and so david bosch wrote this book called "Transforming mission that is just a East, but um, fantastic. And whenever Kate Foster from uh, the Center, which is part of the Presbyterian, she sends an email. Shout out to Kate. This this sentence is at the is in her signature. Oh, what great! And it's fantastic. If the church is to impart to the world a message of hope and love, of faith and justice and peace, something of this should become visible, audible and tangible in the church itself. Is that beautiful or what? Mm. The church should have some presence in the world, outside of the four walls of the building. Something that is it's making itself known and exhibiting love and justice and peace and faith and hope.
1: What were the words you used that is tangible, visible, and audible? Visible, audible intangible in the church itself beautiful it's just a beautiful quote yeah yeah
0: yeah amen well we've got a couple more to explore um, of this you want to tease them uh, out or you just want to well we're going to talk about LGBTQ plus yeah and we're also going to talk about some of the hidden gifts that we have found in liturgical worship that we think the mainline church has to offer. And, and so we've already talked about this a little bit, because I've spent some time outside of mainline church, and so coming back to it, has it's been kind of very refreshing for me, and you've always been at mainline church. But I think it still offers something to those, especially that have never experienced liturgical worship. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, and order of service, and kind of what some of our liturgy offers. Um, uh, a hidden gift. Can't Lord. wait. yeah until then have a great day everybody. We'll see you on Sunday in person or virtual.